Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Want to grab a free copy of my Dance Studio Growth Marketing eBook? Sign up for a free copy today of the ebook 97 Simple Strategies to Grow Your Dance Studio by going to assemblédancestudiocoaching.com forward slash marketing ebook. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. In today's interview, I chat with the amazing Ali Phillips from Buster Move Dance and we have the most inspiring chat and I knew she was going to be awesome but I really really took so much away from our chat together and I hope that you do too. So before we jump into today's episode I want to let you know a little bit more about Ali. So Ali Phillips began her career after founding Buster Move Dance, one of Australia's first inclusive dance companies for children, teens and young adults with disabilities in 2009. Gaining unparalleled experience in the dance, education and business spaces while also establishing herself as a respected leader, Ali discovered a passion for creating inclusive communities. Currently living in Toronto and specialising as an embodied leadership coach for dance and fitness studio owners, Ali is wildly known for her ability to disrupt and challenge the status quo. While teaching dance will always be her first passion, empowering those around her to decondition handed down money stories, facilitate hard conversations around social issues, and learn to tap in the energetics of self-trust has allowed her to support young professionals, business founders, and CEOs, not limited to the dance space, but also including the dance space, to embody their unique approach to leadership. Her why is to recognize the potential in herself and others so that they have the freedom and choice to create the authentic life they deserve to live. And I can tell you right now, Ali is full of wisdom and knowledge and joy. And I can't wait for you to see and listen to the episode that we created for you today. Hi, Ali. It's so exciting to be connecting with you on the podcast today. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I feel like this has been like a long lead up. So I'm glad that we're finally here and we're having the chat. Yes, it definitely it has. I think when we first organized it, I was heavily pregnant and then we pushed it and then I had a conflict and it was like a whole thing. So I'm uh, thank, thankful for you for being um, very accommodating. And as well, I was a couple minutes late if um, everyone listening because my little girl Goldie was screaming bloody murder when she should be asleep. So that was fun. Um, but anyway, yeah. Oh, thank you. Nice. Yes. Yes. Her name is Goldie. She's, yeah, she is very cute. I don't know. She's just having a, an off day, but we all have those. So that's okay. So for our listeners, um, if they don't know who you are, what you do, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your business? Yes, absolutely. I am Ali Phillips. I am an embodied leadership coach, but to be honest, at the forefront of everything, like I'm just a human being and I do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, My journey started like way back. um, I mean, probably like a lot of your listeners. uh, I grew up dancing. I grew up in a dance studio in Brisbane, Australia, and I started, so so I guess like my story happens in a couple of different like 
chapters, but essentially I grew up dancing in a studio, loved it. It was my second home. And then I was in high school and I applied to university and I got into a dance and education degree. And parallel to that, I started volunteering at a community center that had an interest in special needs, which was actually run by my sister. And when I started university at the age of 17, I also started my business, which is called Buster Move Dance, which is an international dance company for children, teens and adults with disabilities, predominantly cognitive and intellectual disabilities. And my life kind of just like took off from there. And for the last 12 years, I've run this dance company, both in Brisbane, Australia. And then in 2017, I moved to Toronto, Canada. And that's where I'm you know, conducting this interview from. It's it's late at night here. And I, yeah, I now run my company across both countries and cities. And along the way have, you know, decided that I wanted to go into the coaching business after running a business for, for such a long time and developing so much skill across that, you know, those 12 years. And so now work with other dance studio owners, dance business owners to be more conscious and aligned with the decisions they're making. And I also um, have developed a teacher training so that dance teachers are more intentional and mindful as well as more access, like teaching more accessible and inclusive styles of dance. And um, yeah, I'm sure we're going to go into a lot more detail, but that's pretty much like me in a nutshell. I was a dancer first and foremost. I then found myself starting this dance company and moving into the world of accessibility and inclusion advocacy, um, all while still maintaining a deep, strong connection to the commercial dance world and then brought it overseas and have moved into a coaching leadership space in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yes, it does. And it gives me a really good insight, I guess, into your journey so far. And I'm sure obviously it's really just starting. So with in relation, I know you said you started Buster Move in Brisbane and you've done it also in Toronto. Do you still run your Buster Move in Brisbane or is it sort of it, your business sort of follows you wherever you are? Nope. We run classes in Brisbane, Australia as well. And I have just the most amazing team of teachers who have been teaching for me for a really long time. And when I moved here, I knew that I was going to move here and I, and I, you know, set my community up for success and, um, and yeah, it runs really beautifully back home. And then obviously in COVID, we started doing online classes and um, and we have an on-demand program. So yes, the answer to that is we absolutely still run classes in Brisbane and, you know, we run them here in Toronto as well. That's amazing. I have a few more questions probably about that. But one thing yeah, I really perfect. want to, I want to touch on first, just to get some clarity um, around what is embodied leadership, like a bit more of an understanding of what it is and I guess how it could benefit anyone, but more specifically dance studio owners. Yeah, cool. So I guess at the age of 17, um, it's a really young age to start a business. And like I said, I wasn't intentional with starting this business. My sister had a community center. There was an interest in special needs. Once a month, they had a dance party and I used to go and volunteer. And when I was and I just finished high school, she asked me if I wanted to start a structured dance class for some of the people that came to this monthly dance party. And, you know, Buster Move was not my idea initially. Um, she invited me to do so. And, I, and, and then as I even started the first class, 
I was like, whoa, this is something that I really love. It's something I'm really good at. Um, the parents and the community and the students really loved it as well. And so at 17, I all of a sudden had this responsibility to this community that I had no exposure and, 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 you know, experience in. I wasn't, I wasn't passionate about inclusion or advocacy. And so I had to, at the age of 17, develop a very, very strong sense of trust. You know, what I do is quite niche. And so a lot of people wanted to have their input. They wanted to be a part of the program. And, and I had to write my own script. I had to develop my own leadership philosophy, my own teaching philosophy. I had to find my voice. And so for me, what embodied leadership means is embodying what it means to be a leader without, without the pre uh, uh, without the assumptions of what leadership is, because people could have looked at me and probably did back in those days and was like, whoa, she doesn't really look, she doesn't fit into that box of what I see a leader kind of being or looking like, right? I really danced to the beat of my own drum. I was very solid in my sacred nose. I was, I was confident in asking for help. And yes, I made so many mistakes along the way, but 12 years later, I am so embodied in my approach to leadership because I made the decisions myself. I failed and made mistakes based on the choices that I made. And I think it's really important when we when we think about embodied leadership that we we really tap into who we are as human beings. And I love this saying of like who we are is how we lead. And that's what embodied leadership means. It's like tapping into what makes you, you as just a human being and your motivations and your desires and your wants and your cruxes and your challenges. And that makes up who you are and how you are as a, as a leader. So that's how I would answer that. That's beautiful. And that gives me, I guess, a bit more of an idea just because I guess it's a, it's a big concept and just to really know what your interpretation of it is and how you run your business with that in mind. I yeah. think that most dance studio owners are hoping to get to a point like that where they feel, again, super sure of themselves as a person and then also in their business because it is so easy, like you mentioned earlier, to take on influences and you know people's ideas of how to do things best or how to run things best. But if it doesn't align with you, it's not ever going to feel, uh, you know, in alignment, I guess, essentially in your business. And I, yeah. similarly to you, started my studio at 19. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit older, but still very young. And young. Yeah. So young. And again, it it's, it's natural when you're that age for people to want to help you and for people to, you know, and because again, I, I knew I was young and I was looking for help, but you do kind of get um shifted a little bit probably off course at points just because you think that maybe the way that someone else has done it before or is saying to do it is better than the way that you really feel um but at the end of the day I think it's that gut feeling and then the want I guess to step up as a leader in your business and really step into that role is something that I think develops over time as well yeah absolutely and I think like I think the embodiment part is the deep diving. I think that the the dance studio and the dance business owners that I that I coach, a lot of them have had support before and are looking for support. But I find the majority of of 
dance studio owners are sometimes looking in the wrong place. I feel like we get caught up in the logistics of our dance studios, the lesson planning, the administration, the, the, the teachers are a huge part, but I feel like there's more underneath that supports a business to grow. And that looks like deep diving into the leader and really understanding how is the leader taught? How is the leader, um, you know, brought up by parents? Like I, with my clients, it's a lot of deep diving into childhood, into um, schooling, into uh, into relationships, and I and I coach in a very holistic way where we don't just specifically look at the numbers in the business, but we look at how you're showing up as a human being with that, and that's what embodied leadership really feels like for me. It's that embodiment part, like what it means to be embodied in something. It's being able to hold more, whether it's more abundance, more money, more conflict, more discomfort, more joy. Like that's what embodiment feels like. It's that we are using this physical body to experience like such divine uh, just life experience. I, I, I Sometimes it's hard to explain what embodiment is. So I'm trying to use like tangible examples, but it's so much more than the brick and mortar or the mm. administration. It is like, so it's so deep. Um, so yeah. Definitely. And I think um, something that I said and kind of what you're saying as well is this is sort of concept of alignment. So how does finding aligned business values, I guess, help in your opinion with running dance studios as well as, you know, the owner in general, and then, you know, as a result, right. the team members in the community and everyone else. Right, right, right. That's a great question. So I feel like if we talk about, if we're taking like values as the, as like this concept and this, the theme here, I really truly believe that our values, like our personal values, the ones where we're able to define, like I have them written on my phone, like my values are my Northern star. I know exactly what they are. I know exactly how I define them. I know when I'm in integrity, when I'm out of integrity, it's what guides me, right? It's, it's so that I don't veer off course. I believe that our values are a physical expression of our ability to trust ourselves. And so the importance of values and knowing what your personal leadership and then your organizational values, because they can be different, right? Mm. So as a leader, you have one set of values. You don't, you don't switch and you don't change depending on context, but your organization can absolutely have its own set of values. But as the leader, our values come from a deep sense of trust. And I believe that they are connected. And I believe when I when I developed over time through a lot of um, mindfulness practices, specifically meditation, I was able to develop and, and really uh, strengthen this trust muscle. And then as I, as I strengthened this trust muscle and I was able to verbalize and actually put into language these values, I'm then able to like move in integrity across multiple areas and facets of my life. I don't believe like, you know, a, a lot of my clients come to me, whether I'm co consulting on culture within dance spaces or whether I'm coaching leaders, 
a lot of a lot of people come without knowing what their values are at all and I think it is imperative like absolutely imperative that you know what your values are and not just what they are but how you define them because while one person sees respect is different from how another person sees respect and then also aligning those values with your studio and creating um, a really strong set of shared values and best behaviors within your studio so that you can reward and re recognize you know behavior that is that is in alignment with those values and then you can also challenge behaviors that are not in alignment and then the values then in studios become the the, the groundwork for feedback loops so I know mm -hmm. feedback is something that people really shy away from we don't have the structures or the language to be able to give and receive feedback feedback is something that gets to be really emotional. I actually consult dance studios in being able to give and receive really empowered embodied feedback so that it's not awkward, it's not defensive, we're not overcompensating, we feel so grounded, but it starts with values and it starts with the leader's values, which starts with the connection to trust and the only way to build a really strong sense of trust, in my opinion, is to get still and to get quiet and to be consistent and disciplined in a daily mindfulness practice. Yeah, and that's a really um, good tip for people who are looking, I guess, to develop that further. And I think what you said um, resonated with me about, you know, having your personal values and then your business values might be different. And they, you know, there might be some similarities, but not always... Oh, I just sort of dropped out for a second. Sorry, but not always are they exactly the same. Like currently one of my uh, coaching clients, she has quite different opinions to that of her customers. Um, and it's probably more to do with like the location um, and her values are probably personally are different to her clients, but she has really strong values in both. And so it works and she knows how she feels personally. And then as a business, uh, yeah. And so there is a little bit of, there's a difference, but it, it can still be, I guess, in alignment, even if you have different values for your studio. Yeah, everyone gets to choose, right? Like, you know, personally, I think I would really struggle to run a business that felt like my values were being tested. Like, mm. ideally, I would love to feel like, I'm in integrity with my values um, across across my personal life and and my business as well. So I, I find that situation very interesting and 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 mm. you know would be interested in in learning more about how that works because I'm always I'm I'm a very you know curiosity is actually one of my one of my core values. Um, but I feel like I I'm you know it takes so much time to 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 get everything into that alignment. So that you go, oh, I'm, I'm act, I'm like literally in integrity in all of these different kind of avenues of my life. Um, mm. You know, I have, I have um, actually, there's a free resource on my Instagram, which is a way for you to just to discover your personal values. There's a lot of, there are a lot out there. There are like simulators on, on Google, um, Brene Brown, which is one of like my absolute idols. She has, a, you know, she has um, a whole bunch of values that you can choose from. 
I, um, I created a list of like, I think there's like 20 questions that, that you then extract keywords from and you create your, your values based on that. So if someone is like, oh, I don't know what my personal values are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that my details will be in the show notes and, and feel yes. free to go and just grab that free resource. And it's just so important. And it's, it gives you so much clarity when you're able to be like, no, no, no. Like when you have language for mm. something that you feel, it just yeah. is so grounding and it, and it gives you confidence. Yeah. And I think you were talking, um, you said it in a really like positive way about that uh, feedback. But I mm. think often what is probably a main issue for my clients and like she owners in general and like I knew when I was starting my business is that when you mean feedback, not sorry, not when you mean it, but often the feedback we receive that upsets us the most is negative. It's something that we feel like people are telling us we've done the wrong thing. And generally as people pleasers, which seem to be, you know, similar personality studio owner wise, it can be quite upsetting or distressing, particularly if you don't have the intention of like hurting anyone or disturbing anyone. And so I think that, you know, what you were saying is that knowing at your core, what those values are to you personally and to your business, you do become more confident saying, well, you you know, I, again, like that might be your interpretation or you just feel more confident in being able to kind of either stand up for yourself where you need to um, or knowing that that feedback is actually really good feedback and it, it might be negative, but you might need to update something. So I think it can really help with that process as well. Love like love everything you've just said. The only thing I would also add on top of that is the reason why people give feedback is because they care. People don't give feedback on things that they don't care about, right? We, we If we don't care about something, we're not going to, yeah. we're not going to give a comment on it. We're not going to care about it. So the reason why it's really emotional, and, and that is the reason why it can be delivered in a really emotional way, because at its core, it's because we really, really care. Now, exactly what you're saying, it is the job of the person receiving feedback to first of all, know our values, because we need to be able to receive feedback regardless of how it's being delivered regardless of the competency of the person delivering it. And exactly what you're saying, we just get to say thank you in the moment as hard as it is. And then we get to go and filter it through our values and we get to decide, okay, no, 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 I was acting in integrity. So I'm going to, I'm going to organize a meeting with this person just to find out and get more clarity and also to activate my voice and, or I can be like, okay, yeah, I was out of integrity. I think I need to apologize and take accountability and responsibility. So it's exactly what you're saying. Like if we don't have our values, how do we know whether we get to activate our voice or, and, or we get to take accountability and responsibility. Feedback Mm. should always be accepted and thanked. Because mm. it takes a lot of, even if we're not delivering it in the best way, it takes a lot for people to deliver feedback. So there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be practiced in the world of feedback, especially within dance spaces. Mm. Uh, 
something that just has not happened. It's just, yeah. it's not part of the norm. And I think what you said is just so clear. Like people give the feedback when they care. The way that they're giving it sometimes is awful and it's unnecessary. Sometimes the language that people use or the way they deliver it. But at the crux of that, if you were to break down, take away any nasty language, the core of it is that they love their children and they are upset or emotional by something potentially that's happened. And so at the end of the day, like you said, it's because they care about their children. So if we can kind of peel away all of the other stuff that really sometimes people do send feedback to hurt someone really, that there's some, you know, nasty things. But in general, again, if you know where you're coming from, you again, like you said, can kind of go, well, this situation, yeah, this I was in the wrong and that's okay to apologise and thank them for um, getting that feedback. And then as well, you know, I find on the flip side is that when you, and I again, as I have grown as a business owner and studio owner, I'm sure other people listening have felt this in maybe or maybe they're on their way to getting there, is that when you're feeling really strong and in connection with your values, you, you start to attract people who connect with that as well so then eventually there's not this well there is still feedback obviously but there's you you sort of come out of this cycle of negative feedback if you are really sure of what you're doing you take on any feedback you try and improve but then again the way you start to kind of project out to the local community often attracts certain people who are going to align with those as well yeah, I love that. I guess like, first of all, feedback is not just constructive. Mm. We can reward and recognize behavior. And I think that we get to, I think there's a huge opportunity to be more celebratory. Um, and then the second thing is, this is the work that I do with my business leaders as well, is that there is this like, and it could just be the foundation of the dance industry as a whole. Mm. And I know that a lot of us coaches are really trying to decondition like the 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 toxicity and like the you know the 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 decades of damage that previous gatekeepers have you know imposed upon our owners to this day um and this is the work that that us as coaches are doing and the work that I'm really passionate about is is supporting my my business owners and my dance studio owners to be really, really clear on who they are. Because when you get those emails from parents, you can just see through them. Mm. You just, you, 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 you accept them for what they are. And we don't need to, we don't need to make stories up about what it means. A lot of the work that I do with my clients is very somatic. It's very um, in the body. So how are we feeling about this? How do we feel about this email from this parent without actually attaching any narrative or any story to it? Right. And so I think that it starts with the personal development and the self introspection from the owners so that it, the leadership then trickles down because the teachers are looking at the leaders, the students are looking at the leaders, other parents then feed off. And it's just like this, like, vicious cycle of toxicity where it really doesn't have to be and our leaders our business owners our dance studio owners can stop it here like they can just stop it if they are more aware of what makes them them um and values is one part of it but it's just one part there is so much more um Mm. but I refuse to believe that we still have to 
be behaving the way that previous owners have or past members have. Like it doesn't need to be that way at all. And we get to, we get to, we get to choose. Absolutely. Um, again, with what we you mentioned about before, we've talked a little bit about values and you brought, brought up culture. Is, is there a difference in your opinion? And like, what, what is the difference if there is one? Uh, the difference between values and culture. Oh, yeah. Well, I think values make up culture. So when I say culture and the work that I do, so I I coach and then I consult, uh, they're different. So coaching is very much um, supporting owners in discovering the answers themselves and doing a lot of inquiry-based questioning. uh, Consulting is very much coming in and uh, providing the framework and facilitating sessions um, based off a a framework that I've created. And so I go in and I consult uh, business owners and dance studio owners in developing a really strong sense of values. So we create uh, shared values best behaviors, uh, definitions, and then we create feedback loops. And all of those values, best behaviors, all the language then creates and cultivates a holistic culture. So culture is like the energy and the vibe of the studio and the values that we create as a shared, you know, shared values uh, uh, supports the ability to have more holistic, mindful, intentional cultures. Amazing. And like, I know the importance of these concepts in relation to, I just think being a happier owner and a happier um, business owner, a happier person, and then also putting positive things out into the world in relation to like our connections with children and things. But at the end of the day, a lot of business owners and dance studio owners are really focused on growth and, you know, how they can be growing their business. So do you think that um, the culture of a business can affect growth in a positive or negative way? Uh, well, the short answer is yes. <laughs> I see growth. Um, uh, are we talking about growth as in financial growth or student growth? Because of like, which? Yeah, growth? look, I would say I I think the, the most important element is financial growth, but I know yeah. generally student owners are more interested at, at first in getting right. those student numbers. So either one, just growth in general, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so the work that I do is is grounded in spirituality and energetics. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work that I do with my clients is grounded in money energetics. So I... So when I I was making like two grand a month and and the way that I jumped to making 15K a month is grounded in deconditioning money stories. So I went all the way back and got really clear about how money was represented to me, what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced around money growing up. So this is what I was saying. Sometimes I feel like um, our dance studio owners are uh, just kind of band-aiding a little bit of work. For me, growth and financial income starts with our our the way that we see and the way we view and the way we value money. And a lot of the time our studio owners want to grow and want to have huge impact and they want to make a lot of money, um, but they never pay themselves. 
and they then have a hard time asking for more or putting up their prices. And so growth is never going to happen unless we get really, really clear on what money means to us and we are able to, um, yeah, kind of declare stories and then create a new money blueprint. So I do, I, I, I value the energetics of money. And if someone, if people are kind of confused about that, the easiest way that I can kind of just introduce the concept and please get in touch if you want more information is that money is energetic. It is everywhere. It is the same thing as radio waves or electricity, right? It is always here. And we don't understand that the radio, where the radio is, we can't see radio waves, but as soon as we dial into the radio station, it's there. And money is the exact same. We get to decondition money stories and then rebuild our blueprint to get into alignment and in the frequency of money. And so a lot of my work with my clients is abundance mindsets, affirmations, gratitude practices. And that's how I grew my business. Um, and that's how I, I created more abundance. And this, and that means more students in the door, but then also more money because I, I was able to have the confidence to raise my prices, to ask for more, for, to, to take deposits, to not, you know, to enforce late fees into having validities, all that kind of stuff I think is grounded in, in deep-seated deconditioning around uh, money energetics. Yeah, no, I would tend to agree. And I think that, you know, we could probably talk about that for hours and I can see and know that you're so passionate about the work that you do so I guess wrapping up our amazing conversation it's been so insightful speaking with you but you've talked about how you're a coach and a consultant but how and what ways do you work with studio owners and dance studio owners on these topics that we've touched on in general is it through private coaching or group coaching like what do you how's the how do you work with people yeah, so I a couple of things. So I I do one-on-one um private coaching with dance studio owners, dance business owners, dance own like dancers, um, and we work for periods of time. So if this is something that you're interested in, you're wanting one-on-one support. Um, I love my one-on-one clients. They work really, really hard. I love the results. They, I, I, I love them. That's, it's way more personal. I then consult. So I then, I consult for organizations and I'll go in um, and facilitate a couple of sessions on creating shared values, best behaviors. And so I do that with the actual leadership team. And then we will have sessions with the actual teachers and the staff, and we will create shared values, best behaviors, and then we'll practice giving and receiving feedback so that they can then go and, um, you know, feel like they've got a really strong sense of what is connecting them, um, what is the language, how they can give and receive feedback based on the languages. So if dance studios are like, yeah, we need better, we don't know our values or we don't know how we define values or our feedback loop is all out of whack, um, I can support with that. And then I also support dance, dance teachers and dance business owners in just more mindful and intentional in teacher training. So I'm very, very specialized in the world of dance for people with cognitive and intellectual impairments. Um, and, and I've over the t- last 12 years, I've developed a very, very strong sense of being able to navigate and create the, a very intentional and mindful energy of a space. So that looks like, you know, embodied teaching as well. So who we are is how we teach. And so I have a 10 week uh, teacher training 
um, that goes through and allows and gives the opportunity for dance teachers to know their values, know their why, get really clear on lesson planning, behavior management, music, um, even down to, you know, breaking down choreography. There's some bias training in there, anti-racism training in there, being able to facilitate hard conversations around social issues. Um, and so if studio owners are interested in, in, in up-leveling and transforming and allowing all of their staff to get on the same page and develop their own individual teaching philosophies, then, then I do that as well. So different capacities, um, but just, yeah, get in touch. I do a lot of amazing and I obviously follow you on social media and if um, anyone listening wanted to find out more about that where are the best ways to find you Instagram is the best way right now my website is under construction so I am at Ali so Ali A-L-I Phillips with two L's dot official and then my business Instagram is at bam dance it'll be like a green and blue logo Amazing. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and then also to share this um, content with the podcast listeners. I have found it super, you know, thought provoking and inspiring. So I really want to thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge with me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.